1: Israel urged France and the United States not to cave to Iranian terms for the revival of the 2015 nuclear deal as the European Union waited for Washington's response to Tehran's demands to clinch the agreement. Iran cannot be allowed to endlessly buy time and receive more concessions while it advances its nuclear program and spreads terror worldwide, said Prime Minister Yair Lapid there in Israel in his phone conversation with French President Emmanuel Macron. Israel, he said, would not be obligated by such an agreement. And then added, Israel will continue to do everything to prevent Iran from attaining a nuclear capability. Well, if Israel is prepared to do that, why isn't America that supposedly is the the big brother, the great big brother and defender of Israel? Maybe we're not that much of a big brother after all. Maybe we've lost our ability to stand in the evil day, so to speak. Perhaps we just don't have the gumption anymore. Or maybe we don't consider the threat against Israel to be that great. On the other hand, when you have the Iranian mullahs, declaring over and over again for many years now that Israel is the little Satan, but America is the great Satan. What does that say? Does that tell you that Iran is in a position to try to negotiate some kind of a sweet deal that's going to enable America and or Israel or the European Union, to somehow finagle a deal that's going to prevent Iran from achieving that which is its ultimate goal. What is its ultimate goal? Nuclear power. Not just nuclear power. It already has nuclear power. Russia gave Iran nuclear power. Russia developed the Bushehr reactor that was the first nuclear reactor for Iran. Russia has already declared its intention to build more nuclear reactors for Iran. That being the case, the issue has nothing whatsoever to do with nuclear power for civil or civic purposes, for energy purposes. It has only one purpose, and that is the development of a nuclear bomb. Why a nuclear bomb? Why would Iran want a nuclear bomb? Maybe we should talk about it, which we'll do right here on Viewpoint here today. So I'm glad that you've joined us. It's always, as always, conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And uh, Iran is a very interesting country. In fact, Iran was not Iran until 1935. In 1935, the great nation the former great nation and world power of persia became iran and then in 1979 i believe it was 7879 the radical islamic mullahs took over in the islamic revolution took over the control of persia and, or iran then and deposed the shah of iran and took over in a radical, uh, shall we say, Islamic Bolshevism, taking over uh, Iran, over Persia, over its people, uh, in a, well, some would say a diabolical act of, uh, of, of rulership. Others, if you're an extreme and dedicated Muslim, would say, oh no, this is, this is great for the world. In fact, uh, Iran sees itself to be the savior of the world. Did you know that? Iran sees itself to be the savior of the world, to be the one to usher in the great Islamic Messiah, the Islamic Mahdi, the one who will deliver the world from all of the little Satans and the great Satans and allow the world to be run under exclusive Sharia law run by whom Iran can you then understand perhaps why the lust for nuclear power from the standpoint of a bomb (coughs) is not for defense purposes but for offense purposes what is the offense the conviction that Iran is destined to rule the world, that Iran is destined to usher in the Islamic Savior, the Islamic Messiah, the 12th Imam, the Mahdi. If that is the belief system, if that indeed is the foundation for their convictions, it's very difficult, it would seem to me, for the European Union, the United States, or anyone else to come in and say, you know what, we got a better deal. Because the only thing that we can do, in one sense, is shorten, or excuse me, lengthen the time before Iran accomplishes its ultimate purpose. Because it is going to accomplish its ultimate purpose. That's its goal. But what is that goal? Why is that its goal? It's because the Iranian mullahs, the leaders of Iran, believe, they are deeply convinced that the Muslim Messiah is just around the corner, and in order for him to be manifested, they are mandated under Sharia law under the Quran, under the Hadith they are mandated to create global chaos what better easier way to create that global chaos than with the threat of a nuclear bomb now perhaps you can get a better idea of what really is at stake here and the idea that america and the joe bidens of the world or the barack obamas of the world back in 1915 uh, 2015 could somehow eradicate the deep conviction of the iranians that is the radical muslim iranians <clears throat> to somehow convince them that they don't need the uh, nuclear bomb and uh, that they should be willing to cooperate with the rest of the world. No, they don't have no intention of cooperating with the rest of the world. They have every intention of cooperating with what they believe deep in resonating in their spirit is their calling to prepare the way for the Islamic Messiah. That's what it's all about. If you do not understand that, the rest of it is just comic talk. We'll be right back after this. Stay tuned to listen to Viewpoint. Back to Viewpoint, I'm Chuck Meyer. Today we're discussing the so-called Iranian deal, the uh, uh, deal that Barack Obama uh, entered into back in 2015, as just as he was ready to leave office and gave over to uh, the Iranian people $150 billion, which he flew over there in American aircraft just as a gift to give off to them to bribe them so to speak to enter into this deal that would give him a legacy that's what it was all about that Barack Obama thought he could get a or buy a legacy <clears throat> by uh, sending over that money and making the Iranian mullahs feel good that he was on their team well indeed if you understood Barack Obama For the very moment that he entered office, you know he went around the world and made an apology tour and went directly to the Muslim countries, the leading Muslim countries, including Al-Hazar University in uh, Egypt, the oldest Muslim university, and made apologies to the world, and particularly the Islamic world, about America. In other words, what he was doing was confessing that America is the great Satan. You guys are the good guys. We're not so good. And I'm here to fix the problem. And so that's what he did. The so-called JCPOA. That's how it goes by. This agreement that was negotiated. John Kerry was in the midst of it. And uh, now Joe Biden is doing his best to try to complete the job, which many analysts believe the new version is even worse than the old version. Where do we stand then? How should we look at this issue? How should we look at the efforts of our politicians uh, to try to deal with it? Those that are uh, rationalizing a variety of different uh positions, and so on, with regard to uh, the agreement. What does the future hold? Will Iran obtain a nuclear arsenal? And if so, when? Will it become a game changer? And if so, how will that happen? Well, interestingly, those questions were asked by Alan Dershowitz, the liberal lawyer, uh... Emeritus from Harvard University, back at the time of Obama's original effort to uh, negotiate this deal with Iran. His article has just come out again, republished, showing the problems that we're dealing with. And he's not even approaching it from a biblical standpoint. He's approaching it from a rational lawyer's standpoint if a rational lawyer can indeed come up with any kind of reasonable rationale for this particular deal. He's not advocating it. He's saying the risks are great. Speaking of the risks, the current prime minister of Israel, Lapid, warned that the offer to the Iranians has elements that differ from the original JCPOA And that paved the way for significant investment to flow into Iran's terrorist network and to strengthening the Iranian military. Just the opposite of what is supposed to really be taking place. He had a conversation. A day after Biden spoke with uh, France's uh, President Macron and British Prime Minister Boris Johnson and German Chancellor Olaf Scholz about the Iranian deal. You see this is right red hot right now. Mr. Biden believes that this is his big deal. Just as Obama felt that it was his big deal to give his name in history to resolve a major problem in the Middle East, therefore Mr. Obama now is following in uh, Mr. Biden is following in Obama's footsteps probably listening to his dictating voice about what to do. Now, this JCPOA has been dormant ever since former President Trump left the deal in 2018. He saw the danger of it, and he said, we're not going to do this. So Joe Biden has sought to revive the deal with the help of the EU. Israel then is bracing for the EU's efforts to be successful, said the defense minister Gantz yesterday. The deal's revival would increase the likelihood of a military engagement between Israel and Iran, he said. The Iranian foreign minister spokesman, Nassar Kanani, said, America and Europe need an agreement more than Iran. Why? Why would America and Europe need an agreement more than Iran? May I suggest to you, he's not saying that the reason, the reason is he realizes that America and Europe are fearful. Fearful of what? Fearful of Iran. And they want to have some sense of peace, some sense that the world isn't going to fall apart in a week or two or a month from a nuclear Iran. So, the Iranian foreign ministry spokesman has said, we seek a good agreement, which would guarantee Iran's national interests and would be long-lasting, we won't be bitten twice, he said. A good agreement, which would guarantee Iran's national interests? What are Iran's national interests? Well, it depends on who you talk to, doesn't it? It depends on how they're framed. If Iran's national interests are deemed to be, well, <clears throat> shouldn't we, like all other nations, be entitled to defend ourselves? If uh, other nations, like North Korea, uh, have nuclear power, a, a nuclear bomb, shouldn't we be allowed to have that? I mean, after all, remember, equality and now equity? And so they're using this as a device to twist the arms of. Mr. Biden and the EU because they see we are weak. At the same time, the world today is in a state described by the sages as labor that precedes the coming of a Messiah. Now, this is interesting. You say, well, why would you talk about that? Excuse me, right in the midst of all of this talk about Iran and uh, the nuclear deal, why would this be relevant or important? Well, if you had read my book, Antichrist, chapter 21, called The Mahdi versus the Messiah, you would understand very well why that would be relevant. In fact, it is the most relevant issue. A video. Was produced by the Iranian government called The Coming Is Near. It was virtually unreported in the Western world, but says that all the signs are moving into place that Iran will soon help usher in the end times. Are you listening? While everybody's focusing on Ukraine and on Russia and on China, maybe it would be appropriate for some more focus to be on Iran from a biblical perspective, not from a geopolitical perspective per se, but from a biblical perspective. And the theme is revolution. Revolution in Iran and the entire Islamic world is driven exclusively by religion, no matter what the naive claims of Western pundits and politicians uh, that supposedly hunger for democracy are, are crying about, you see, democracy is a political concept of fundamental freedom, but it's radically inconsistent with Quranic Islam, which mandates exclusive and inviolable adherence to and practice of Sharia law. So, Islam, by its very fundamental nature, is the ultimate and inseparable melding of religion and all civil and governmental rules and relationships, in effect, a religious dictatorship, mandating absolute submission by all in its sphere, either by voluntary submission or by force or threat of force. So, Muslims anticipate their Messiah, called the Mahdi, who will lead them in the final conquest of Earth, deposing all who deign resist them, ushering in a global caliphate. It is the Islamic apocalypse or unveiling to be soon revealed in the end times. Oh, unveiling. Remember my brand new book, just coming out, Messiah, unveiling the mystery of the ages. You see, this is all about an unveiling of not just history, but biblical prophecy and the intention of nations and Satan's work through the nations to accomplish his purpose to become king of the mountain, to rule and reign from the Temple Mount. That's why. My book, The Eternal Epic End Time Battle, King of the Mountain, remains necessary, fundamental to understanding the direction of the world. Following that came Antichrist and now Messiah. These three books reveal, in order, how these things are developing and why. So if you do not have the book King of the Mountains, The Eternal, Epic, and End Time Battle. I urge you to get a copy of it. It said that he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. Iran intends to rule the world from the Temple Mount. They're not the only ones that intend to rule the world from the Temple Mount. The Pope intends to rule the world from the Temple Mount. You'll find it all in the book King of the Mountain. So while the Western world is self-blinded and paralyzed by this Trinitarian lordship, you might say, of political correctness, multiculturalism, and religious pluralism. It preaches the doctrine of democratic salvation to an unbelieving Muslim world. The global cause of Islam is advanced by deceptively or blatantly employing the tools of democracy to gain political power and cultural religious acceptance in the God-forsaking West. But there's coming a moment of truth. A global explosion of Islamic reality. And that is seen as necessary to usher in the return of the Mahdi or the 12th Imam. It's called the coming. Have you heard of the second coming of Christ? Well, they're using exactly that same terminology. For the coming of the 12th Imam, their Messiah. Now, again, the book King of the Mountain. The eternal epic end-time battle for he who rules the Temple Mount is said to rule the world. I hope you'll get a copy of the book. If you don't have it, uh, get it. If you have it and have not read it, then pull it out from that dusty shelf of yours, my friend, and begin to read it. There's a reason these books were written. They were not written to entertain. They were not written to make money. They were written to communicate a message You know, when Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah to write all of his warnings uh, to Judah and Israel in a book. And so Jeremiah did that. He dictated it through his right-hand guy called Baruch. And that was read to the leaders of Judah. Even as Babylon, headed by Nebuchadnezzar, was carrying siege against Jerusalem. So the handwriting was on the wall, so to speak. But Jeremiah upped the ante with a message from the Lord. It was very strong, very profound, that they needed to come to grips with the fact that Israel, Judah, had rebelled against God, and they needed to submit to the king of Babylon as their punishment for their rebellion. Guess what? They refused to listen. These leaders who heard the word from Jeremiah in the house of the Lord, nonetheless, took the message to the king, Zedekiah. They told him, and so Zedekiah ordered Baruch to show up with this scroll. The words of Jeremiah. Jeremiah. And he's sitting there in his summer house with the fire on in the fireplace, and he starts hearing some of the message. He says, away with this. And he started cutting it up and throwing it in the fire. Friends, that's how Americans, even American Christians, are looking at the wooings and warnings of God today. God is compassionate, but we're not. We just don't have ears to hear
0: Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org.
1: Who will be king of the mountain? Iran believes they will be king of the mountain. Back in, I believe it was 1996, 97, Louis Farrakhan, head of uh, the Muslim group here in America, went over and met with the Islamic leaders in the Middle East, and particularly with Mr. Rasanjani, the president of Iran. And here's what he said He said that Iran is destined to be the vanguard of the Islamic revolution. The vanguard. In other words, the tip of the arrow, Iran the vanguard the leader of the Islamic revolution was he right you can say well Louis Farrakhan is full of hot air well in many respects he is but he has commanded a great deal of following and people who believe what he says follow what he says people who believe what the Muslims are saying what the mullahs are saying what Khomeini there in Iran is saying are following suit to conform to what they say they believe. Unlike Americans, unlike Europeans, we've lost our souls. Why do you think it is that... uh, Iran refers to Israel as the little Satan and America as the great Satan... There's a reason for that. You know, you might not like it. You may not agree with every aspect of their viewpoint, but that is their viewpoint. In order to understand these viewpoints and where they are leading from a biblical perspective, I urge you to get a copy of my book, King of the Mountain. One Jewish talk show host said, I have never, ever, ever read anything like this. He interviewed me for seven hours. That's how profound he felt this book was. A Jewish talk show host. It's a $20 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org you can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries, PO Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. I would say that in this, you could almost call it like a series. King of the Mountain, two years later, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Impostor, Two years later, Messiah unveiling the mystery of the ages. Do you see the progression? This is very important. You will not hear any of this anywhere that I'm aware of on any so-called news program. Any, Christian or otherwise. It's not going to be there. It's not a matter of pride to say this. It's just a matter, that's just the way it is. Alan Dershowitz, (coughs) Jewish lawyer, well-respected, very liberal by the way, uh, wrote an article, a significant article for Newsweek called The Case Against the Iran Deal. Now interestingly, his article appears to have been written back in 2015 when Barack Obama was seeking to bring all of this before the American people and to, shall we say, force our country to enter into this agreement. So let me share some of the thoughts that Alan Dershowitz had back in 2015, which are being reiterated for today because the same arguments today apply to them. So he says President Obama is staking this deal on a series of predictions, which you might call bets or rolls of the dice, or even faith, that include these items under the deal Iran is less likely than without a deal to develop nuclear arsenal in the short, medium, and long term. Under the deal, the Iranian regime is more likely to become part of the community of nations and to change its status from an outlaw nation that terrorizes its own people and threatens to annihilate Israel. War in the Middle East is less likely under the deal than without it. And there are other unintended consequences that may flow directly or indirectly from the deal. New alliances may form in the Middle East. Saudi Arabia may have to come closer to Israel because of their common enemy. And in the Middle East, power attracts, and this deal empowers Iran as never before. True. Let me ask you a question. If indeed, one of the premier motivating factors as declared by Iran and its leaders, going back to Mr. Ahmadinejad, whom I quote in King of the Mountain <clears throat> if indeed their direct, most uh, expressed conviction and purpose is to rule and reign. As a Muslim nation over the world, to usher in the Islamic revolution over the entire world and to usher in the Islamic Messiah, the Mahdi, if that is their premier motivation, how in the world can the US, can Mr. Biden, can Mr. Kerry, or anybody else, or the EU, or any of its leaders, how can those godless people expect? that Iran's going to change its mind merely because the West, in its weakness without any convictions whatsoever, decides to pussyfoot around with Iran and its mullahs, basically just showing their weakness and, in effect, facilitating the very thing that they say they're trying to prevent, and that is the development of the bomb. No. The bomb is what Iran desires more than anything else. Why? Because it is deemed to be necessary to set the stage for world chaos that is deemed essential for the ushering in of the Islamic Messiah, the Mahdi. Anybody listening yet? This is not hard to understand if we have a will to understand it. The problem is we don't have a will to understand it because we choose only to see the viewpoint of increasingly pusillanimous Americans. In other words, Americans that have no guts, no gumption, and no convictions. and think that everything can be manipulated even people's fundamental beliefs if you just offer them a little bit more money. Which presents another problem. Iran with hundreds of billions more dollars in its treasury may increase its funding of terrorism by surrogate groups such as Hezbollah and other parts of the Middle East. But this deal is and you can well understand is seen in Iran as a major victory for the Islamic Republic which brings us to some of the most unpredictable consequences of the deal if and when Iran breaks out and develops a nuclear arsenal and that could happen within a decade even if the Iranian leadership complies with the deal in full how will it deploy its newfound power President Obama told us that an Iran with nuclear weapons would be a game-changer. Dangerous to our national security interests and those of our allies. Well, that's true. They know it would be a game-changer. So what's he going to do about it? Is there any reason to believe that it would be less of a game-changer in 10 years than it would be now if we entered into such an agreement? We can't predict such a positive outcome with any degree of confidence, writes uh, Alan Dershowitz. And that's why this deal is indeed just a roll of the dice. Perhaps aptly a game of Russian roulette for us and for our allies. If Congress says no to this deal, then there will be no restraint on Iran. There will be no sanctions left. That's the argument that is made. The result of a congressional rejection of the deal could be a win-win for the Iranian regime, because they would have accomplished their three goals, ending most of the sanctions, taking the military option off the table, and presenting themselves to the international community as reasonable leaders who are willing to sign the deal. But if Congress were to reject the deal, the Iranians would not feel bound to honor its provisions regarding centrifuges, inspections, and other constraints, on moving toward becoming a nuclear weapons pilot. well they already do not <clears throat> they've already demonstrated their unwillingness to do so they've already set off <coughs> areas that are no go zones for the inspectors they've already removed the cameras that were supposed to help govern the situation they have no intention following through with any degree of integrity no this is a ruse Dershowitz says so president Obama may well be correct when he says that the current deal is a better outcome for America Israel and our Arab allies than any other alternative on the table but even if that were true and it's speculative at best It is damning with faint praise if all the available outcomes are bad. There's the problem. It's an attempt to find a solution that is not a solution. That can create more harm, actually sow the seeds for even greater destruction than no deal at all. (coughs) So where does that leave us? You say, well, okay, what's the alternative? No deal? Maybe so. We'll see why.
0: But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
1: The real issue that's at hand is the issue of purported messiahs. That's the real issue. It's not about Islamic nuclear power. It's about the purpose for that power, which it leads us directly to the whole issue of Messiah, or the Mahdi. So the contrast of purported messiahs Is very critical, both for every individual, for the nations, and for our world. In fact, not to mention eternal consequences, as you may well understand. So, our viewpoint is determining destiny. Islam demands absolute submission to the religious government of the Mahdi, to be ushered in at the point of an unsatiated sword, through creation of global chaos. Purported peace will be purchased not by sacrificial blood of the infidels who refuse to submit to Sharia under the Mahdi, but through self-destruction in the pursuit of martyrdom. So it should leave little imagination, to the informed imagination, to comprehend the coming convulsive conflict as the serious followers of Muhammad strive to implement the Prophet's mandate for Islam to rule the world. They believe, this to be the propitious moment to fulfill Islamic prophecy. So no purported peace is going to pacify such martyr-driven ideological commitment. So global conflagration is inevitable to bring about the anticipated reign of the Mahdi over the planet. That means the epic end-time and eternal battle for King of the Mountain is emerging now from partial cover to open and unrestrainable conflict no matter what mister biden does following the messages from mister obama concerning this agreement but even as the muslim world is preparing to usher in the coming of the Mahdi, so the jewish world is experiencing a rising expectation that both Jew and Gentile are now living in the Messianic age. However you might define it. The Messianic factor has since mushroomed amazingly across the planet. By 2005, Russian Chief Rabbi Beryl Lazar publicly announced his conviction that the earth will soon see the coming of a messiah to judge all mankind. He said, we know that he is very near at hand. In explaining his assumptions, Lazar noted, the world today is in a state described by our sages as hevele Mashiach, that is, labor that precedes the coming of a messiah. He said, we are living on the verge of history and it can be felt everywhere. are you beginning to catch the sense here there's a reason why i wrote the book messiah unveiling the mystery of the ages it wasn't to write a book it was to communicate a very important and serious message of wooing and warning to the world and particularly professing christians and jews Because professing Christians and Orthodox Jews are going to be the object of the world's increasing derision and attack. Excuse me for the coughing. It's the residue of COVID, and I'm doing the best I can to appear before you and do what the Lord has asked me to do. Please forgive. All right. So if you do not have the book, King of the Mountain, or if you have it and have not read it, please do so. It's a $20 book, yours for $15, on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, PO Box 7. 0879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, if you want at the same time to get a copy of Messiah Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, that's a $22 book. You will only have to add an extra $2 for postage and handling, so a total of $7, to get the two books together. So. You can call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. You can write to us at Save America Ministries. You can go on the website, saveus.org. Those books will go hand in hand. They will help you to understand. When you watch the news, when you listen to this, that, or the other, when you read the New York Times or whatever it is you like to read, it's going to open your eyes to see things in ways that your friends are not seeing them. God doesn't see things the way we do. The people in Jesus' day did not see things the way he did. The people in the days of the prophets did not see things in the way they did. And yet, you know what they were called? Seers. The prophets were called seers. Why? Because they saw things that others did not see, they saw them from God's eternal perspective. There's a difference. An important difference. So let's go back to this video produced by the Iranian government called The Coming Is Near. It was produced by a group called the Conductors of the Coming in connection with the Basij, the Iranian paramilitary force, claiming the Mahdi will lead the armies of Islam to victory over all non-Muslims in the last days. And they believe these are the last days. What do you believe? If you don't believe that, you won't conduct yourself accordingly. If Jewish people do not believe these are the last days they will not conduct themselves accordingly. Any more than the Jewish people were willing to listen to the message of the Lord through Jeremiah warning that Jerusalem was going to be taken captive and if they did not yield to Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar because God had sent him to judge the people because of their own idolatry if they were not listen The city was going to be burned with fire, and they would be taken captive. You would think they would listen, but they didn't. The king, Zedekiah, even had a private, secret meeting with Jeremiah, begging him to tell him what the Lord was saying concerning the situation. He still ignored it. You know what happened as a result? Zedekiah tried to flee and was caught in Jericho by the armies of Nebuchadnezzar. When they caught Zedekiah, they took him to Riblah, where he was judged by Nebuchadnezzar. His sons were killed before his eyes, and then Nebuchadnezzar put out his own eyes. That is Zedekiah's own eyes so that the last memory he would have is of his own children's destruction. Why? Because he refused to hear the voice of the Lord. Refused. I want to ask you a question, just a private question here, between you and the Holy Spirit. Is that like you? You see, American Christians are just like that. I've been watching this pattern now for many, many years from coast to coast. It doesn't matter what denomination it is. It doesn't matter what geographical area. It's everywhere. It's this somehow this contentment that, well, I'm a Jew, therefore I'm totally protected at all times. I'm a Christian, therefore I'm protected at all times. I can do what I jolly will. Please, I don't have to listen to the voice of the Lord. I can live in idolatry. I can follow the ways of the world. I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. And just completely pretend that all of the warnings of God in Scripture don't apply. Well we can pretend only so long. You know, it's kind of like the two year old or five year old that puts his fingers in his ears and waves his uh, fingers at his mom and says, I can't hear you. <clears throat> in other words, I won't hear you. So this video was approved at the highest levels of the Iranian government. It claims Iran is destined to rise as a great power in the last days to help defeat America, that is the West, and Israel, and thus prepare the way for the return of the Mahdi. That time, the Iranians believe, is fast approaching, indeed at the very door. So this, all of this conversation... that Mr. Obama is carrying out all of his conversations with the presidents of the leading countries of Europe and so on is meaningless because it pretends that the Iranians don't believe what they say. Americans don't believe what we say because we don't believe anything anymore. Europeans don't believe what they say because they don't believe anything in there. There are no convictions. We've lost the fear of the Lord in the land, both in Europe and in America. There's no anchor for the soul. And we can disagree all we will with the Iranian viewpoint and with Islam. I will disagree with that. But I will not disagree with their conviction for it. And therein lies the issue. So, it should be readily apparent to any of us that such religious fervor and conviction can't and will not be ultimately compromised at a diplomatic table. So, the Iranian pursuit of nuclear capability is not truly a matter merely of geopolitical maneuvering, but of a profound and unalterable commitment to intimidating power intended solely to impose the integrated rule of the religious government of Islam upon the entire world. So here's my final word today. Let the world be wary, for every man, woman, and child soon faces the final choice of a Messiah. Are you beginning to see how it all comes together? These are not isolated issues, friends. They're in the context of the greater panoply of God's purposes and prophecy. People get ready. Jesus is coming soon. Those who are truly ready, he will welcome and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But when he came the first time, he came to... Offer salvation for sin. When he comes the second time, he comes to judge the world in and for its sin. He came the first time as a compassionate Savior. He comes the second time as a reigning King. Is he your King? Don't answer too quickly because if you don't obey him, obviously he's not your King. And those who don't obey the King. Are rebels. And rebels in the against the king don't fare very well. The case against the arraigned Iranian deal actually is much stronger than we might possibly even imagine. I hope this has been helpful here today on Viewpoint. Get a copy of the book King of the Mountain. $20 book, yours for $15. Also. Uh, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, $22 book. Uh, They're all available to you. They are life-changing books. They're not just informative books. They are transformative books, if we read them in that view. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner, friends. This is not something that we can do here. We can't change the world. We can't do this. All we can do is be obedient, to declare the word of the Lord, for history's final hour. That's what we're doing here on Viewport. Join with us in that effort. You can be of great assistance. Believe me, you can. Let your dollars fall on your heart, but when your treasures there will be heart be also. God bless and be able